Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Well, uh, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a hilarious and talented person who's probably uh, the most likely guest we've ever had to know what the fuck you're talking about right there. Yeah. Uh, she is the hilarious, the talented, the brilliant Molly Lambert! Hi, hi, hi! I'm trying to think of a song parody. What's up, guys? Uh, Stop in GameStop. GameStop (laughs) in the name of the stock market. Before you crash the stock market. Before (laughs) you take my yacht. Hey, stop. Stop it with this. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? Manipulation. What's up, Molly? How are you? I am good. There's, you think there'll be a new movement just like walking down Wall Street and starting to pat people's pockets? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you see a guy yeah. in a suit, you're like, what's up, homie? What you got for me? Like, oh my God. What's going oh, on? Yeah. I'm going to show up uh, in costume as the Brave Girl statue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the Brave Girl from Brave. The Brave Girl. No, no. I do look like the dress. Brave Girl from Brave, but right. there right. is... A statue they put up of like it's like a little girl boss and she's like standing uh, looking at the bull and being yeah. like mm, i'm gonna girl get boss. you bull girl boss so yeah everybody <laughs> uh give give the girl boss their money give it up for yeah. girl bosses yeah. um, i also am into just bringing back like pick pottery yeah you know <laughs> yeah hell yeah you said oh, pick, uh, pick, pick, pot- oh, pick, pick 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 pottery Pick, pick pocketry, pocket. yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Pickpocketry, yes. The forgotten yeah, arts. Artful dodger. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, but pretty, pretty. Uh, like whenever you go anywhere that has like trains, you got yeah, still got it's gonna have pockets. <laughs> yeah. I uh, <laughs> my first time in New York when I lived Uh-oh. in uh, <laughs> since I was younger. I I lived in New York when I was like six, seven. But then uh, as a as a teenager. Uh, when I lived in Kentucky, my friends and I went to New York and I claimed that I had been pickpocketed and they were like, oh shit, that's wild. And then it, they eventually learned that I actually just had like a 20 in the waistband of my basketball shorts. And they were like, nobody pickpocketed that, man. That just like fell out of your basketball shorts, you dumb fuck. Oh, you had, um, you had waistband money with no I had, pockets? That was, yeah, no pockets. Just oh, a little 20 just... in my waistband. You're asking for the artful dodger. To <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, pick, it clearly fell out. Of come it. pick right. a pocket or two. I remember uh, those days. That's like when I used to wear only Nike basketball shorts before they wised up and put pockets in them. Pockets, so yeah. I would be wearing like Cincinnati Bearcats shorts, no pockets, and like eighty bucks in my waistband, like yeah. pinned to my torso because I had. But I was really careful about that shit because I. Could oh I, I lost I remember I lost a five once riding my bike and I after that I always kept track of my waistband money. I just blamed I blamed it on uh, pickpockets every time. It's like <laughs> That's so these funny. damn pickpockets. Uh, Times Square. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was wearing boxers too back then, so like you were like, like, oh, warriors came through like a gang (laughs) and clown makeup just appeared (laughs) on roller skates and. uh, 
took your you money. those guys who were dragging their hockey sticks all menacingly on the ground as they walked towards <laughs> us. Uh, that, that needs to become a reality now that we're living in this world that uh, bears a striking resemblance to lots of different works of uh, dystopian fiction. We need to start dressing up as like themed gangs. That I were, mean, like, that's uh, what the capital storming yeah. seemed like a little bit. Loose collection. Yeah, of, but yeah. just like not very well designed. Like their theme was all uh, like dot matrix printer uh, camo and red hats. Like it was, it was a little bit clown gang though. I had just watched yeah. uh, Batman Returns and right, oh, right, saw yeah. a lot of similarities with kind of just the roving clown gang. Right. So you want to see like the Visco Cam people like march on the Capitol? So there's a little <laughs> bit more aesthetic to it. Right. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what is something you think is underrated? Oh, underrated, real talk. And I hate to bring this, you know, podcast down a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. Dustin Diamond, RIP to a real one. Uh, I I think Dustin Diamond, the guy who played Screech, you know, he recently right. died. Yeah. And uh, I think that he, uh, as a human being, was constantly underrated his whole life. I think uh, he was uh, treated like dog shit. His entire life and people wondered why he was like such a dick after, you know, Saved by the Bell. And I was like, I get it, man. I, I understand. As someone who grew up looking like Screech <laughs> and being called Screech a lot until oh. Harry Potter came out and then right. I started being called Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> like, I understand what it's like to, uh, you know, to constantly be uh, shit on by people who look like Zach Morris and... Right. Uh, you know, I so I I felt like after he died, I felt like really sad about it because like I feel some sort of kinship with Screech. Like we're kind of like, you know, we're kind of brothers in that way. Except for I, I was never a child actor, you know, and never put out a porno or anything. But like, you know, so what was the like? I thought there was something like problematic about him, but then all the stories seemed to be that he like edited himself into a point like it was like just actually a really sad story like a oh, pathetic is it that story he edited himself listen he edited <laughs> himself into a porno to make it seem like he was in a porno <laughs> which is it's pretty bad but yeah. there's there's a lot of things about him that are like i mean there's a constant stories about him you know kind of like um, kind of just being dicks to people and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, uh, there's a few screech stories that have kind of like made the rounds. Right. And, and I understand, like, I, I understand why he would be the way he is. Cause you know, like he was a child actor in Hollywood, which is a predatory industry. He yeah. played a character that was constantly getting shit on. He played the worst kind of character too, because it's like, um, in any other TV show, it would have been like like Freaks and Geeks. There's the nerds and there's the cool kids, and they don't they don't meet, you know, in right. between. Right. It, it the the worst thing about Saved by the Bell is that technically Screech was Zach Morris's best friend. It was the most gaslighty, emotionally <laughs> manipulative relationship you, you've ever seen on television, where you have this you know freaking Aryan god. You know, who, who gets all the chicks and right, then this right. little like crypto Semitic character who they never say that he's Jewish. But let's be real. This is right. a Aryan versus Jew type of thing. And and he's pretending like that's his best friend, but he shits on him all the time. And everyone makes fun of him. And like Lisa Turtle won't give him the time of day. Like, why? Why not? He's a, he's perfectly good. He's smart. He's a smart guy. I understand he's kind of weird, but you got to get to know him a little bit. Point is that. <laughs> 
point uh, is, is that like, you know, I, I feel like his entire persona and whatnot is a result of playing this character Screech and people giving him crap for that. And, you know, I feel like in the afterlife, he shall have his revenge. <laughs> his revenge. You believe in a, vid, a vengeful God and that mm-hmm. vengeful God is Dustin Diamond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, Zach Morris is a very interesting character, like mm-hmm. very much. I, I haven't seen the, the reboot of Saved by the Bell, but Neither have I. very much uh, like introduced uh, me to the concept of like a winning... Uh, predatory capitalist kind of guy who like <laughs> yes. everybody can't help but like while he is like you know stealing money from yeah, you and doing treating crimes you like shit, but like, very likably yeah yeah he does he does uh, crimes likably and uh, <laughs> cheats all the time and you is like original constantly... American Psycho yeah, yeah straight up straight up <laughs> original American Psycho and like you know but you're just charmed by him because he's hot. And right. you're, you're just like, yes. nah, there's more. There's more to this world than just being hot, you know? You got to have, like, strength of character. And you right. never had that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to... I, I had to look it up and figure out what uh, was going on with Dustin's sex tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he used a fake wang because he didn't want to put himself out there like that. He did right. hire a, quote, body double, and he decided to do it after the Paris Hilton tape, where she apparently earned $14 million. He was in his, like, mid-20s, and he thought it was a good idea, but in 2004, he went on Oprah's Where Are They Now? Um, he was in his mid-30s by then, and he was like, yeah, I realized it was stupid of me to try to get millions of dollars like Paris Hilton. Uh, but, you know, that is a very, he was trying the new. That is a very profound misunderstanding of the <laughs> dynamics of the sex tape industry and what people were looking for from from Paris Hilton and from him. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, he's, he kind of misread. He misread that a bit. Like, uh, oh, clearly they just want to see anyone who's ever been on television. Fuck. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. no, that's uh, that's not true. Oh, but, buddy. but it does. It it begs the question: uh, why he felt the need or how he could have been in a fin- financial situation in which he would have been like desperate enough to put out a fake uh sex tape you know right. and a lot of it is because uh his you know i'm i'm sure he was screwed out of all sorts of like syndication money mm. and and all that stuff you know cuz like say by the bell is in syndication he was in Constantly. both shows he was in the new class and the old class why would right. he not have money? And mm-hmm. he was constantly in money trouble. And, you know, I look at that and I say, Hollywood's a predatory industry. Yeah. No, that's that's very fair. Yeah. Uh, Ramsey is in the house, by the way. My four-year-old hey, has Ramsey joined us. Ramsey, you want to say hi to Matt and Joel? Yeah. Hi, Matt and Joel. Hi. Oh. <laughs> Joel. What's up? Hi, Matt and Joel. Oh, oh my God. Oh my my heart. Precious baby. <laughs> all right. I'll have kids. <laughs> Fine. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Drastic uh, decisions. <laughs> like everybody right, getting an fine. animal. I'm like, uh, chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a big thing right now, huh? Like just yes. a lot of dog adoptions. Happening. I almost did it. I get it. I'm so close. Like I bought all the stuff for the dog. Now I just need the dog. The perfect one. You know, 
He might just be okay with just all the stuff for the dog. <laughs> just, just the crates and the bags. Live with that for a couple weeks. See how that goes. Like Joel keeps buying all of, all of these dog toys, but there's no dog. <laughs> my brother was like do we need three dog beds it's like one for each floor i want to yeah. be comfortable wherever that's he true is. yeah and that oh also like gives him a place it, it trains mm-hmm. him to ha- always have a place as opposed exactly. to just like lying all over no that's smart everything my brand new uh, couch i don't think so i don't think so dog <laughs> i don't couch. think so dog. i'm assuming you're gonna name him dog <laughs> What is something you think is overrated? Overrated. I'm sorry to Gen Z, but that damn driver's license song. Good lord. <gasps> I can't I can't do <laughs> I'm so tired of the avocado singing. I just got my driver's license. But also I'm like, maybe I get involved. You know? <laughs> like seems like an easy check. Um Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know she's got, like, just nailed the Disney community behind her and stuff. So I know that there's, like, you know, the youth. Like, they have plenty of time to stream the song and blow it up. And I'm sh- it's a it's a fine song. But I was like, really? Number one in the world? This? This what, y'all, this what we doing? Like, it's... I was just like, what is this? And I have the same thing to say about avocado singers. I have to say about R&B singers who are doing that, like, scissor, like, what are you saying? I want to sing along. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of having to just be like, can I know the words? What happened? It's not a karaoke-friendly singing style. Because you're like, oh, I do need the words. I really do need them. And then when you read the words, you're like, wait, what? That's what they were saying? She said, what? Right. We're all going to be in karaoke like, can we stop all night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seatbelt and I'm riding. Come inside. That whole album is like, what? Like, Ariana Grande has one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. And I don't ever know what she be talking about. I don't know if we talking about sex. I don't know if we talking about honestly ariana could be uh organizing for antifa she's like we're gonna meet on third street and we're gonna be (laughs) 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 that's how they stormed the capitol ariana's single (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was sending messages through her vocals she's like all of congress will be in the right way (laughs) we won't know (laughs) we never know That driver's license song, that was like one of those things where I, I didn't think I had heard it, but then I'm like, oh, I've heard that at 7-Eleven every time I've been in a 7-Eleven for a month. I just didn't. It's a real 7-Eleven kind of song. Oh, it is. No disrespect. I mean, it's like whatever. Like I, Because th- that was, the girl is from like the High School Musical TV series. Is that yeah, right? That right. High something? School Musical, the movie, the TV show or something. Doesn't it have like some meta title like that? Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling like an absolute boomer, not really knowing what it is it's, but it's that, like good it's for her she, but show. i just like the this one seems acutely designed to be only meaningful to people between like who who aren't of legal drinking age yet and like that seems like it's kind of creating some of the some of the popularity because then everybody else is talking shit about it and like that's actually what makes it what makes pop music cool is like right. that old people hating it. So right. it's bizarre. Uh, she was in that, and then High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yes, that's exactly what it's called. Yeah. I, that's what I thought. Okay. I knew there was okay. one other show though. Yeah, but I don't know, Jack. It's like 
It gives me like remember that song that was like it started with a whisper. We all got tortured. Also a huge Seven Eleven song. We yeah. all got tortured yeah. by that song. But was anybody ever like this is a bop? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. They just were like sure. listen to this song, <laughs> punching us, <laughs> yeah, just cram it down. I heard this song like every it, day of like my it. life. <laughs> 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 so and I could not tell you I could yeah. not tell who whose song is that even who knows who knows it could be yeah anybody. no nobody it knows Jamie we've been trying to figure that out for years and uh, the scientific community is still baffled uh, unable to figure it out but I get the little emo um, side of the kids wanting this avocado song and liking to listen to it. It's fine. And she plays instruments. I'm not trying to take anything away from her as a musician. I was just like, I don't know. Can we sing with our voices again? No. And we're not going to say words. <laughs> we're not going to put the T's at the ends of what? No. It's going to be what? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> okay. Fair. Fair. Um, what did you just say? Right. <laughs> Maybe that is like a thing. Like every gen, I feel like every generation has like a musical style where they don't respect certain letters. Cause it's like, whatever, like early 2000s pop music, they didn't finish their words either. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, it was like more of a vowel issue for that generation. Their vowels are all over the place. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. And we're back. What is something you think is underrated? Underrated. Great question, Jack. Um, oh, thank you so much. I, I will say <laughs> uh, underrated is any type of YouTube cooking video. Like I, we've all been in pandemic now for almost a year. So we've all been cooking at home. Like I have really been tearing through um, YouTube cooking videos, but not just like, you know, the dude or the lady or whoever sitting in their kitchen. Like, have you seen these videos of like, it'll just be like some random like Hungarian man with like a big knife in the woods, just cooking in a pot. Have you seen those videos? No. Oh, there's so. Oh, I got cooking to put with on. what? Like a it, over a just, fire? Yeah, he'll 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 like build a fire. He just has this giant ordained knife, and like he'll it'll be like <sighs> him cutting up the meat and cutting up the onions, and like he always puts like the spices on the giant knife and then dumps it into like <laughs> his like cast iron as he's cooking over wood. Uh, the one that I watched the most is called Men with the Pot. I think he's like a uh, a Polish or Hungarian guy because it'll have like salt in English and then it'll have like whatever like language he speaks translated and it's just him cooking random delicious looking food in the woods with a pot and one giant knife. No spatulas, no <laughs> no tongs. It's just a dude with a big ass knife in the woods. I love that. That when whenever you see videos like that, I'm like, does this know? Does this guy know about the coronavirus, or has he just like been <laughs> yeah. in the woods with his knife for years? Yeah, That's just, amazing. Just doing his thing. It's great. Mm. I do wonder. Are there like uh, remember that article right after Trump won, where the New York Times guy is like, he's not a New York Times. He doesn't work for the New York Times, but he's just like the most New York Times reader. Uh, that the New York Times has ever profiled. He's like got a beard and like a tote bag. And he like had quarantined himself off from the real world so he wouldn't find out who won the election and was like living in a separate reality. Uh, I wish I, I could have that type of privilege. I could just escape reality for four years. I wonder if he's still out there and doesn't know about the Maybe this is the guy. Maybe he's got his own badass cooking channel, <laughs> right. YouTube channel. Developed he's an pivoted. accent. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I, lo- I love isolated people with YouTube channels. It's so, oh, it's so antithetical. Good. It makes have no you seen, sense. Have you have either of you seen the dude that builds like spas in the middle of the jungle in South America? Right, like I've carves them into him. the ground. Yeah, he, it's just this one dude. He has two tools, and it's just him like moving tons of dirt and building like elaborate spas in the middle of no in the jungle. It's great. How do you get there? Like, how do you arrive at that point where you're like, this is it for me? Like, I've done it. It's like the rac- the raccoon guy channel that he's like, it's this old man in Canada and he leaves out food and then there's like 50 raccoons that comes to his porch every day and he has 5 trillion subscribers. Oh, that's my life. Give me it's that. It's nice. It's nice. It's and like they my love octopus him. teacher. It's like my octopus <laughs> teacher, but with yeah. 50 raccoons, my 50 raccoon teachers. I do think that there's like a fascination with like the blending of, yeah, like a spa that's like dug into just like mm-hmm. earth or, uh, you know, a cooking video that's like the, uh, the sort of complete other end of that continuum is that the new Amazon building. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it's like they've created this giant like prism shaped uh, spiral skyscraper but like like caked a park onto the outside of it so then, like <laughs> there's like a big uh full super villain stuff i love it yeah That's it really is at this point why not yeah um yeah it's very elysium but kind of <laughs> what's something you think is overrated overrated i would say is copaganda like tv shows that portray police officers because these shows are basically marketing for police departments and they glorify and normalize the systemic violence and injustices that are handed out by the police and instead make them heroes and so overrated. What's yeah. is there a piece of copaganda you'd had you've had to have a reckoning with over time as you're like I realize this is this is just straight nonsense but the, but I loved it as a TV show or film. Um, I most of the time watch that stuff in it. Like I, I, I'm no fun to watch legal shows with. I scream at the TV. I'm like, that, that's not true. That would never happen. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, I'm like really <laughs> right. unfun. So this is why I just like, you know, I just instead watch like reality television. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Cause like, what do we know about the K1 visa process on 90 day fiance, but watch a procedural with you. You're like, Oh, that is not, Oh my God. The chain of custody on that is absolutely bizarre. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> I watched den of thieves over the weekend. I had not seen that. That's the Gerard Butler, uh, 2018, uh, movie that it, it like the protagonists are the LA sheriff's department. Um, who, and like, it's, there are like vague implications that they're the ones who like have those tattoos and like, uh, basically kill people and like have white supremacist ties. Uh, but they like, they cut all that out, you know, they make it a li- the team a little bit more diverse, but it's like, right. You are supposed to be rooting for the LA sheriff's department in 2018. <laughs> Mm-mm, um, mm-mm. still having trouble, just like that Denzel movie that came out where people are like, This is also <laughs> copaganda, I don't care if it's Denzel. And like, we're taking a like rosy lensed look at 1993 policing, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, Chapo Trap House was 
like had recommended that they were like that movie's great it's like about a dirt bag <laughs> and it's like huh that's the okay. one with o'shea jackson jr right yeah and it's yeah that one takes a weird turn and i'm like whatever yeah it's just like yeah it's just sure. like testosterone fest it's really there's not much else in it absolutely I haven't seen it, but I'm not going to. Yeah, good. No, no, no. Watch uh, watch Bling Empire instead about that the real crazy rich decision. Asians of L.A., which I was watching over the weekend. Oh, yeah? How is that? Yeah, was, it's wild. You know, it's funny when you see, like, the, you know, uh, just obscene wealth where, like, people are giving each other gifts and, like, yeah, the towel has real gold in it. You're like, you gave someone a towel that had gold in it? And you're like, that's... It's so obscene, and it's just like a whole other dimension of reality that we're not used to. Mm. Eliza, I am curious, as running for DA and saying things like copaganda, right? You know, a lot of people, as we've seen over the years, like to walk this weird line of being like, well, I don't want to make the police mad, but also wanting to also seek justice, Um, in terms of, and I don't, I don't, you don't need to cast dispersions on the other people running, but it seems like I think there are what eight. How many people are running at the moment? Eight people. Mm -hmm. Is that has that been a tone right now for for the other candidates? Because I feel like only one is not really about any kind of real reform, or seemingly doesn't seem like very forward thinking. But in terms of the race um, as it is right now, how how many people are sort of have this sort of progressive viewpoint on how things need to change within New York? Well, so you know what's so interesting, and I was kind of touching on this a little bit when I say this, that now all of a sudden it's become popular to say things like sex work is work. Right. Um, and I'm so thrilled that people are coming around to the to the progressive views that we should decriminalize sex work. We should decriminalize drug possession. We should end mass incarceration and stop using, you know, jail as the default and punitive prison sentences for, for low-level offenses. But the problem is... Even people who are now espousing progressive talking points because they're popular sure. are not necessarily people who truly believe these things. Right, right. And I think some of the evaluations that have come out recently about the candidates really do kind of delve into these nuanced views of what kinds of changes you would make. And in those, like I come out, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. Like I'm the only real progressive in the race who has the authentic commitment from my career, from my experience as being a public defender and fighting against this system of injustice. And it's not like all of a sudden one day I woke up and was like, oh, you know what? I think it'd be popular to say we <laughs> right. should end mass incarceration. So that's right. the pivot I'm going to take. And yeah, I'm going to hold police accountable. And it's like people who've been working in conjunction with the police to lock people up for their entire careers all of a sudden are saying they're going to hold police accountable. Well, I've spent every day of my career cross-examining police officers and questioning mm. the veracity of the things that they say. Um, and so I think that, you know, prioritizing this kind of accountability for the police and these real reforms is incredibly important, but making sure that we're not just listening to someone's memorized talking points, but looking into their record, looking into their history, making sure that this is an authentic commitment to bringing about real change right and i i can i can tell by the new york post treatment of you uh there you probably are t walking the walk because they're painting you as someone who's like this headline most men most manhattan da candidates care most for protecting criminals 
wow. And just like such a disingenuous look on reform, which is like, these people just want, it's like, it's going to look like a Batman movie where they just open up the asylums and the jails. And it's, 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 you know, uh, the people are going to be running wild when it's really about, we have such an inhumane of treating people and we're not actually, we're not addressing the root causes of anything. Um, so rather than it, so, you know, credit to you because all the, the New York Post is absolute trash. Listen, if the New York Post is criticizing me, I'm obviously doing something right. So I feel great about it. Our pick for Manhattan DA, then it'd be like, ooh. I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you, do you aspire to one day have like a real shitty New York Post like pun headline about you? I feel, I feel like that would be the ultimate honor is like oh, yeah. some yeah some pun. oh they're gonna they're gonna come after me undoubtedly like it'll be it'll be a daily occurrence of them just hating right. on me right I'm looking oh. forward to it yeah, yeah hell yeah right. let's talk about uh, coronavirus COVID nineteen hey. the big I don't know those are the only two <laughs> names I know for it uh, are you okay yeah are you, just are you like as soon as you said it like for I got effect, a frog in my throat yeah. That could be like that could be a uh, a sound cue that we have every time we bring up coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a nice one, <laughs> sensitive to the <laughs> right. four hundred and fifty thousand dead Americans. That would be an amazing. Oh. That would be an amazing like morning zoo like talk radio thing where you, so they're like, and now in coronavirus news, and then you just have like a <laughs> <laughs> slide whistle. <laughs> <laughs> um all right well the numbers are dropping so we can't we can have fun here folks yeah uh, it uh people aren't really sure why like it seems like it's partially vaccine mm -hmm. uh partially we're seeing the you know remnants of the you know holiday travel it's kind of clearing through our system after everybody went and saw their family during the holiday um, and then there's also, well, I, so yesterday when I saw this chart, I was like, yeah, of course, of course, it's because <laughs> Trump is gone. And like he was telling, he was lying and like people, it's happening everywhere in the world. So we mm -hmm. actually had to like cut a chunk of yesterday's episode out where I was just like ranting about how it was all Joe Biden. Uh, yeah. but it's, I think that at least has to be like, I think there's a bunch of different, uh, factors combining, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, yeah. In I medicine, mean, like that's they do they do that all the time where they're like, there are four medications that we know how to treat this cancer with. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do think weather has something to do with it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was something I didn't realize until I started like kind of trying to research why it's dropping. Weather is a big contributing factor, like to the point that it's more important than like whether somebody is social distancing or not. Yeah, well, Whoa. I think because it um, and I I'm not a scientist. I just want to point that out in case people got confused. Um, but I think <laughs> social distancing and weather uh, they're correlated in that, like, you know, if you're if it's freezing outside, you're uh, less likely to you're most likely to be inside uh, and stay inside with other groups of people rather than like these outdoor restaurants and whatnot. So people are still meeting up. But before, uh, you know, they would go to a park or something. And now people are like, oh, let's go hang out and, you know, whatever. Yeah, cuddle and then party. Also, yeah. This is also, I think, um, the the Christmas, you know, holiday bump, um, uh, you know, 
kind of like had a huge surge and now it's kind of like dropping again. So, so I think we're going to kind of level out for a bit and then, um, and then we'll continue dropping. Yeah. So the, there, there are a bunch of different articles about this talking about like what one thing that we know for certain is, uh, good for not spreading coronavirus or like bad for the actual spread of the virus is uh wind. Like if it's windy, it spreads much worse. And then we also know it really seems to be like a completely correlated with temperature. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this study that found, I think it was, so starting at 88 degrees and going down by one temperature, every time you drop a single degree, uh, the rate of transmission rose by 3.7%. Wow. So it's like that much of a just straightforward, like if it's this temperature, you are going to have a COVID spike, um, which seems relevant. And like I, I was thinking, like, why why aren't we telling everybody this? Because that <laughs> seems like a very important thing. But they like nobody knows why other than that the actual like physical virus likes that temperature <laughs> like oh. better because they were saying that. Apparently, I I always assumed uh, the influenza what influenza was seasonal because of you know what you were mentioning, Matt, like staying inside versus going outside during the summer months. And this scientist in this article was saying that like that actually the literature doesn't support that. Um, oh, well. We actually only spend like ten percent more time indoors during the winter than outdoors on average uh than we do what? during the summer on average <clears throat> yeah but what uh, does he know though right <laughs> i mean you know like yeah. which people are this who is outside 10 percent less in the i feel like i never go outside in the winter i'm like home inside great yeah. it might be because we never go outside in the summer either uh <laughs> it's more hot. and more these days it's too I hot think about that <laughs> oh right right <laughs> All right, um, I'm a hermit. I'm a podcasters. Inside weeks. is our sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Uh th- another kind of new emerging study or, or like kind of scientific area that they're looking at is uh COVID, what they're calling COVID long haulers, uh, which gives it a very like 70s smoky in the bear uh mm-hmm. like type vibe, but it's actually like people who Uh, A recent study of patients in Wuhan, China, found three quarters of them still have symptoms six months after they left the hospital. God damn it. So like that. Wait, how many? Did you say three quarters? Three. Yeah. yeah, Three quarters. So that's obviously like they this isn't a sample of everybody who tested positive. Right. This is a sample of people who were bad enough to have to be hospitalized. Um But still, it's I guess, I guess I have generally heard the stories of people who uh, don't make it or people who recover and just get back to their lives. I didn't really know about this. And apparently the illness that they're seeing uh, a lot of these people have is very similar to chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a really strange and interesting disease that has like no biomarker like they can't find any physical thing in the blood but it is so like it's a nightmare scenario where you like are 
you know, people, a lot of doctors are like, it's just in your head. And like more and more, they've been able to get rid of that stigma and been like, no, it's actually like they were talking to this one 16 year old who can only sit up in bed for like two hours a day. And when he sits up, like when he's lying down, his uh, heart rate is 65 uh, or in the 60s. And when he sat up, it goes to 135. Like it's God. That is um, insane. Yeah. Brian Gumble just did a really good piece on this uh, of Real Sports of Brian Gumble on HBO, uh, where he interviewed athletes who had gotten COVID. Most of them were like college age athletes, like on their track team. So girl got COVID. So she had all the like base symptoms, like couldn't smell anything, like achy, feverish sort of symptoms. Was out for two weeks. She got up. She was like, oh, I feel better i'm gonna go for a run this morning she said she got like 200 meters out of her door and was like ready to collapse and just couldn't do it and it's been something like three or four months and she still can't go for like a regular run Ugh. it's just wild the the havoc this can wreak on bodies especially like perfectly healthy bodies i think you know for preconditioning pre-existing conditions there's a lot of thought of like okay well obviously that's going to take some extra effort but it's perfectly healthy human beings that are just being like knocked over by this disease right it's wild to think some people are still like it's the flu like it's not right like after a bender of like ice cream and pizza for a week that a college track athlete is healthier than I have been on my healthiest day in the mm. history of my life. Like, yeah. so that is it's my biggest fear about starting to work out. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. My, and my biggest fear about like deciding to like overhaul my life and go completely, you know, have a healthy lifestyle is that like I'll be stricken with something and I'll be like, you know what? I should have never started. I should have just lived up the last few years. <laughs> instead, I decided to get all buff, look good. <laughs> Yeah, and now I'm saying I can't do nothing, and I should have just been eating hamburgers the whole time. <laughs> Same shit. You yeah, know? that's my big fear. Yeah, it really does seem somewhat random. There's also, and I, uh, I have no reason to believe this is uh, connected, other than that they reminded me of each other. But just anecdotally, I feel tired constantly. I know. Uh, yes. I, I know so many people who feel tired constantly. I don't know if that is, um you know, just the fact that we don't like, I, I definitely feel less tired if I go somewhere during yeah. the day. So maybe yeah. it's just like that we're in the, like I do exercise, I run, but I am running, you know, 30 feet from where I'm sitting right now on a treadmill. Uh, right. and like, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, just it's different. Cause like the, the, the fatigue you're talking about is like the, it's, it's like a almost a psychosomatic fatigue where it's not really about the right. overall health of your body. It's more about, you know, the fact that you're stuck inside during a, you know, a mass pandemic and, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. very depressing. And you're just like, you know, in this little, you know, hamster cage. And we're like, I guess I'll spin on the wheel. Like, you know, the hamster <laughs> might be physically healthy, but he's still yeah. sad. Yeah. Aww. And <laughs> people at home can't see that I am drinking from one of those upside down drip bottle things that they have in hamster cages. Uh, so that probably sitting on a bunch of wood chips. Yeah. Um, oh my God. If anybody's dealt with the exhaustion and has like ideas, uh, all ears, you know where to find me. Oh, I have an um, idea for you though. I oh, mean, okay. how often do you go outside uh, and like do activities? Oof. 
Not I mean, that often, right? What is it? February? Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. No, so, I, I do go outside with my kids and like take walks and stuff. Okay. Well, so mm. you're, you're probably fine then. But I, as someone who was spending months and months and months inside and like every time mm. thinking about like going out, I was just like, ah, it's always got to be at the like park and, and, and it's always like, you know, I'm just walking around and I'm just like, it's just, it wasn't fulfilling. And then I discovered the game of golf. And I tell oh. you guys, <laughs> golf, I get it now. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Golf, you, you go and it, there's like, any all the people are far away from you. Everyone who's playing at the hole in front of you, they're, you know, 100, 200, 300 yards away. The people behind you, another 200, 300 yards. And you're just alone and you're just playing golf and you're bad at it. And people behind you are mad because you're like taking a lot of time, but you're free, dog. You're free. Right. You're out there. You're breathing huh. the good air. It's like yeah. it's a good COVID relaxation sport. It, it, you get outside, you get a little physical exercise, and you, you don't feel like you're that hamster on the wheel. So play golf. Okay. Yeah. It's they do have the they do have all the best spots in LA. They've just been like, okay, these are golf courses now. Everybody yeah. can go fuck themselves except people who golf yeah but now you can be someone who golfs and i tell you you feel yeah. bad for the first few times doing it because you're like oh this is what my life has become i'm a douchebag but then after a while you start to own the <laughs> douchiness of it um right and, and then it's not so bad yeah i would be going around on one of those scooter things uh oh, yeah golf carts from, that's from like, hole to hole dude that's like uh, half the fun no like it. a say like a standing job uh segue <laughs> Uh, tear up the golf course as you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonna be so mad at you. <laughs> just all your grass. You're just on a Segway in a golf course. <laughs> I take a oh, Segway no. back and forth to the golf to the uh, mm -hmm. to uh, the cart golf cart. <laughs> yeah. <Stop. laughs> I don't want to do um, any physical exercise. <laughs> the world is like reacting. To the fact that Jeff Bezos is stepping down as Amazon CEO to become vice chair, uh, which uh, is another position that allows him to do the same thing he's been doing. Like, I, I really need someone to explain to me. I've read the articles about this, and I cannot figure out why anyone should give a shit about this at all. But people... It's just it just seems like an opportunity for the mainstream media to write articles that reinforce the sort of pro billionaire propaganda. Like it's all like he started Amazon in a garage in Washington state, uh, you know, a mere 20 years ago. And it's like, well, he was also a Wall Street guy who then did that. Like he, he rented out a garage probably for a lot of money and like outfitted it with an orange couch because he heard that's what you're supposed to do at startups and like uh but he's but people don't think of garage like that like when they when he i whenever i hear that narrative spun it's always he started it in his garage so people are thinking like yeah. a right. two-car garage and like he was <laughs> like amazon.com baby wrote a like it was a like fucking nirvana or something <laughs> like yeah yeah um Ugh. I don't know. It, it just ties into the overall myth of American capitalism that there's like these individual great man accomplishments mm -hmm. and not 
that this is the inevitable consequence of a system that doesn't defend against monopoly and like one person is going to get that successful and like it's funny even this wall street journal article uh <laughs> like it's like with a day one philosophy of always maintaining an underdog startup ethos however in recent years mr mr bezos has stepped back from day-to-day -day management he doesn't set schedule meetings before 10 a.m. and makes all his tough decisions before 5 p.m. Uh, employees say the billionaire is elusive. That's how they describe it. With many saying they have never spotted him on the company's sprawling downtown Seattle campus. So he doesn't show up to work or works like, you know, between 10 and 5, which are things that would cause somebody to get immediately fired uh from an amazon warehouse job right well also uh, he could fucking solve world hunger today like yes. i just the the like discussing the like ins and outs of his day-to-day -day, i feel like it's just like glorifying some like you know innocuous like who gives a shit what he does at what time he could fucking yes. solve world hunger he could help people but he is not he fucking destroyed seattle and he's like just I, I don't know I just and and the way that these stories are framed uh of like the whatever the like he's just a startup guy who like worked really hard and hustled his way to the top and it's it just like implies that he has somehow earned all of this when it's like we know that that's not true <laughs> like he's it's exploiting just, people and that he's killing yeah people. and he's responsible yeah. for many deaths that they cover up all the time the amazon warehouses are an ocean nightmare like and they just hide it they don't make mm -hmm. reports there's been so much if you just one quick google away you can find out and and that's why i hated when all that negative press came out about amazon during the pandemic um, they made all these weird commercials where they basically were like holding people at gunpoint like, I love Amazon. They treat me so good here. Jeff Bezos is like a father to me. I like what is happening? Those were so weird. And also Yeah, and everywhere, yeah. They were everywhere. And if we haven't learned anything from the GameStop thing, is that the game is fucking rigged. Look at what happened when all the little everyday average Joe people got their hands on some stocks that were being shorted. All of a sudden your app doesn't work and you can't trade at all. Because it was never built for you to be a millionaire. You're not gonna be able to work hard or make trades and be a millionaire because there's already millionaires and billionaires who are going to make sure you cannot get to that level because that's how they stay rich. So I'm like, I'm still mm. praying for GameStop. They in my prayers like they on the sick and shut in. I'm like, please, please, y'all <laughs> hold the line. Don't sell them stocks so that we can just, oh, I want to ruin all the hedge funds. <laughs> I know mm. we're going to end up paying for it Absolutely. in our tax dollars, but I just want to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that one's already been is already being sunset to like this is what happens when you go against the big guy and like being covered as like the GameStop thing was folly. Um, right. But it's like, but also keep hustling, everybody. This could yeah. be you. And it's like, no, no, it couldn't. Yeah. It's been made exceedingly clear that it fucking couldn't be us. I think we so. all need to just like look at that and realize like that is the perfect example of like you cannot be a billionaire because billionaires will not let you. <laughs> right, right. The the thing of specifically trying to reinforce the underdog myth um which is is the main motif that gets reasserted over and over again in these articles about him retiring um really like it really seems like it's uh the war department thing again like i i taught for shorthand i i talk about how 
the U.S. military changed its uh, name from War Department to Department of Defense once they started waging offensive wars because you like do that you change the name to be the opposite of the truth so that you can like kind of cover up for it and like with trying to portray billionaires as underdog stories like the when people look at how billionaires make their fortune it's always the opposite of that it's always they find an advantage over someone who's smaller or has less you know resources than them and just exploit the shit out of that until they are they have billions of dollars that's the only way to become a billionaire is by being a predatory uh capitalist who preys on less powerful you know dynamics basically um but because we don't like the idea that that is the secret to capitalism we tell ourselves over and over again and pay the Wall Street Journal to tell us over and over again that it's all Disney movies where the underdog came up. <sighs> it's yeah, it's it's just like it, it I don't know. And it's it's weird cuz I feel like it's kind of unspoken that most people recognize that it is like a false narrative, but it hasn't stopped it from being pushed over and over and over. Yeah, I think it's I do wonder if we're like moving in that direction, but it does seem like uh, it's, you know, you you wouldn't know it from reading like the mainstream accounts of Jeff Bezos and sure. the way that well, people... Well, it's, it's also, it's like a question of like, well, how many of these papers does Jeff Bezos own? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. it's, it, it goes all the way to the top there. Yeah. So this Diet Love Pass uh, story is one that it's it's a staple of the um you know conspiracy theory community uh i first came across it in an article uh like i think over a decade ago on cracked uh that was was basically miss like big famous unsolved mysteries that totally have solutions um and so here i'll tell you what the the mystery is I'll, I'll, since you're not familiar with it yeah yeah um so 10 members of this uh this is your, a real thing this is a real okay, thing I, the way you started off it sounded like a weird fucking right. like riddle so like, it was a stormy night and <laughs> right. 10 so 10 members of like a polytechnic institute like a scientific college nine students and one sports instructor uh okay. who had fought in world war ii headed up into the frigid wilderness this is like 1959 uh, one student with joint pain uh, turned back, and the rest, led by a 23-year-old engineering student, uh, continued on. There's camera film, personal diaries later found on the scene that makes it clear they made camp on February 1st, pitching a large tent on the snowy slopes of a mountain I'm not going to try to pronounce, uh, probably not one you're uh, intimately familiar with, but... The name can be interpreted as Dead Mountain in the okay. language of the region's indigenous uh, Mansi people. Uh, so when a search team arrived a few weeks later, because they just nobody ever heard from them again. The, the other guy made it back? The, the other guy made it back and he never heard from them again. Like wow. none of the uh, planned, you know, rendezvous right. uh, happened. Uh, their tent was found barely sticking out of the snow. Uh, it appeared to be cut open from the inside. Uh, mm. The next day, the first of the bodies were found near a cedar tree. Over the next few months, as the snow thawed, uh, they gradually uncovered just all sorts of creepy 
bodies. All nine of the team members' bodies were scattered around the mountain slope, some in a baffling state of undress. They were half naked. Some of their skulls and chests had been smashed open. Uh, Others had eyes and one lacked a tongue. Uh, Others had eyes missing and one lacked a tongue. And yeah, people were like, this doesn't make any sense. There was also uh, like radiation on one of the bodies. Uh, And so people like the official explanation from the Soviet bureaucracy was, quote, unknown natural force. And so that like it's it's impossible not to be into this as like a somebody who's open to conspiracy theories. Right. Um, Because it could be anything like, yeah, it could be anything. Monsters, yetis whatever so back when we wrote about it we pointed out that it made sense as an avalanche uh and just kind of some of the more uh, inexplicable details like the radiation isn't actually that uncommon for anything that's been laying in a snowy area that gets a lot of sun uh because sun is uh snow is a tremendous reflector of the sun's energy uh, the missing eyes and tongue are uh, pretty common with bodies left in the wilderness for a long time since animals go for the soft parts first. Um, and the various mm-hmm. states of undress ha- uh, are pretty common for anybody suffering from hypothermia. And, you know, the theory being that they ran out of their tent when an avalanche, w- they heard an avalanche coming at night. Uh, and the tent and all their stuff was buried, and so they uh, died of hypothermia. People will, as they're dying of hypothermia, feel hot and like take off some of their clothes. Um, oh and, shit! Yeah, that's Cause, like, oh, because your shit's just so fried. You're just delirious. You're like, yeah. Oh my god. So the but people Ugh. there there was a lot of like pushback on that theory, uh, not just. That that was like one of the more common explanations, and we just pointed out that it made a lot of sense uh, in ways that conspiracy How are theorists were back, pushing back. Like my first thing was like, yeah, probably like if they're scattered everywhere too. Like who knows if even the avalanche took some people. Yeah. So there was no snowfall on the night that the avalanche would have happened, and usually you need snowfall to add weight to the snow burden that triggers the collapse. Most of the blunt force trauma-like injuries and some of the soft tissue damage were atypical of things caused by avalanches, um, where usually people mostly asphyxiate. Uh, and then if an avalanche had occurred, uh, oh, there, there's this thing about like a gap of nine hours between when they made camp and when the avalanche happened i think it assumes that they would have caused the avalanche because they're like cutting into the side of the mountain to make camp and that's usually how those things happen and yet it happened nine hours later um so this new study basically just takes those down point by point um i think the most interesting way it's taken down is that the idea that there's did I mention the fact that people say it wasn't a steep enough hill that they were camped no, on? No. Oh, so they're saying it was even too flat for an avalanche? It was too flat for an avalanche is okay. one of the things they're saying. But that's actually a, a optical illusion that you see. Have you ever like heard of places where they say like water flows uphill and it's like this mystery of uh like a place where gravity oh. doesn't operate or gravity is weird dude. like you drop a stone and it kind of falls to the side oh yeah dude. every year at burning man <laughs> so all of uh that that actually is a thing that happens like basically you're at a place that 
a chunk of flat ground that is actually on a uh, portion of ground that's embedded with within a larger slope. So even though all your sort of uh, context clues point to the fact that you're on flat ground, you're actually on a slope. And that's oh. what was happening here. They say that this piece of land, when you go and study it, has uh, at least the 30% grade needed to trigger avalanches. Uh, there wasn't snowfall, but there was massive wind. Uh, but one of the reasons this is like kind of a fun story that I think might actually like become popular enough to put an end to this is that they used Frozen, the Disney movie, to uh, figure this out. Wait, like, cl- like uh, clues from the film? Yeah, revealed so, the truth. Or yeah. so. <laughs> One of the scientists who uh, is basically created this paper with the official explanation uh, back when Frozen came out was like, holy shit, they have absolutely nailed uh, the way snow falls and is blown away and is like actually behaves. And so he actually traveled to Hollywood and met with the 3D modeling company that created the snow for Frozen and like got a better idea of how snow behaves and like used their algorithms that they used on frozen to better inform his algorithms of just like how snow operates. Holy shit. And then they also consulted these old GM studies uh, that they had done with a bunch of uh, cadavers, like back when people weren't paying as much attention, (laughs) GM took a hundred dead bodies and just like threw heavy shit at them uh, and just like studied (laughs) the way that the bodies were destroyed um, what were, and, were 14 year olds in charge of that study? I know, right? The fuck you, yeah, we just smash them up and we're like, oh, oh, oh no, oh, <laughs> no. And All so, right, yeah, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. So, looking at that study data, they basically found that uh, the injuries were pretty consistent with what you would have seen if there was a like SUV style chunk of uh, hard snow or ice inside of the avalanche, which is They're hitting you, right? Yeah. So wow. they think the avalanche hit them. Uh, they were camped at a pretty, like when you look at where their beds were, they were actually like dug into the snow in a way that they were pretty well supported. So when the thing hit them, uh, they were uh, pretty demolished, but probably didn't die. And then their camp mates like dragged them out to safety. And then, and then all went downhill. Yeah, it all went downhill from there. Oh. Um. But it's a wild story, uh, and I don't know. It, I do think that this is <laughs> is the explanation. I don't think there's been, yeah, Yeti, uh, alien yeah, Yeti. explanation. Yeti gang, where are you at? Come on, um, rebut this terrible study, Yeti. Oh, gang. they are going to. Uh, they, yeah, they, I am uh, making a lot of enemies. As reasonable as this might sound, uh, I'm going to be what in big Why? trouble with the Yeti like a- community. People like a sexier Yeti explanation for this? <laughs> That's like, right. Come on. Yeah, dude. Watch. They're going to be like, well, if they use Frozen, we will use the modeling of the child's film Abominable uh, <laughs> to then prove our Yeti theory. It's like, well, no, that's not what they did. It wasn't just because there was a movie that that reinforced their, their argument. But go at it, Yeti gang. I'd love to see it. Yeah. They probably will use the fact that, oh, because Frozen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, what did that's, an ice monster do it that Elsa had created? Right. That's where it's that's where you realize too, like you don't get don't get in arguments with conspiracy theorists. Yeah. 
Because if you're not on the same page, then nothing you're saying is real. And there will be, it's like, I don't even know how you reverse engineer common ground at that point. We're like, all right, well, where can we agree? What's snow? (laughs) Can we agree that that's frozen, like a water that's very in a solid state? Okay. Okay. Moving on. What's Russia? And then it all falls apart. Like an experimental ground <laughs> for like the governments exist. of the world to like create like new bio like bioorganisms that are like like just terrorize the earth. Wait, bro, okay. you think Russia exists? Come on, man. Right. And you're like, now oh, who's Jesus. now who's naive? Uh dude, did you say Russia? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Nancy Pelosi uh, told me about this new treat that she is stocking <laughs> in her fridge. Uh, in your Telegram my... <laughs> channel called Lit Freezers? Yeah. Uh, Jenny's, uh, which is what Nancy Pelosi had her fridge stocked with. It's like uh, $14 a pint ice cream. Um, it's that... nine, Jack. Don't get is ahead it of yourself. All right. All right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like 12, maybe. You guys are just like Nancy Pelosi. You have no idea how much a pint of ice cream actually costs. <laughs> I don't know, so. $43? So out of touch. <laughs> how much is a banana? Yeah. Uh, Did you guys read there is that interview with Billie Eilish the other day where she was like, I don't know how much cereal costs, so I ordered like what I thought was a box of cereal, and it was like 50 boxes of cereal. Billy, she thought no. a cereal, a box Billy, of cereal was like fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know. Fucking Billy, no. She doesn't it, like you're too young. She probably doesn't even know what that means because she's That's been like, like yeah. rich for so long. It's and like it's combination of like you're a teenager baby. who maybe doesn't buy your own groceries, yeah. and right. now you're incredibly rich and have no idea how much things cost. Because she she completely <laughs> well. skipped that phase of life where you have like a little bit of money that you've earned and you try and go out to eat with your friends. Right. That's right. a very formative period. So if you go straight from, I don't know, every time I go, my parents pay for everything to, I don't know, my accountant, I have a card that my accountant gave me and I just, I wave that at whatever yeah. I want. You don't have to choose between like seeing the movie and having dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Woo. Or be like, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's, let's figure out, you got a calculator or just do it on paper with the tax. Okay. So we'll get nachos and then a quesadilla and then we'll all have enough to go in the movie and then maybe split a smoothie at the end. Okay. There's also that point where you're growing out of like being young enough where it's still kind of cute that you don't know stuff. Uh, right. Right. It, Which is why it's not cute that Nancy Pelosi doesn't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, it's a violence. bad look to have 500 uh, pints of really expensive ice cream in your fridge and people right. are starving. And you're like, how much is a vial of insulin, Nancy? Mm. I don't know. She's like, I don't know, like three pints three of Three ice creams? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so this boutique creamery Jenny's, it's not really boutique, it's a chain now, right? They're huge now. They're yeah. huge. But uh, they dropped a flavor, everything bagel, and I don't know if it was viral marketing or whatever, but they- I'll call it violent marketing. <laughs> they had uh, somebody who I follow and trust on social was like, I don't know how it's this good, but it is. And I was like, well, that's enough for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm in. I'm worried. Because yeah, I'm, I'm when I saw the thing, I'm like, get the fuck out of my face with this everything bagel ice cream. My friend Goldie was like, come on, you cowards, like put locks in there. Yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, let's actually, yes. I, I right. would try that. But if you're going to do it. 
they they mention how you know the like cream cheese is like a great already stabilizer for ice creams as it is so you don't have to put in a lot of like artificial things in it so cream cheese is always like for for people who make ice cream isn't anything new um so i was like okay fine I see the logic there, but like, really, like, what's the description? They say it's cream cheese ice cream with everything bagel gravel. Yeah. Right. So that I means mean, like poppy, here, sesame, onions, and garlic. Here's what I think. Yeah. Wait, really? Like, onions and garlic? Yes. Yeah, yes. man, that's everything bagel. Everything right. bagel. You think that- the fuck, Jackie? I was just I thinking like salty. I mean, I love everything bagels and I like a salty sweet thing, but I just, I, I didn't think it with garlic. Thing. I'm blaming this entirely on the Trader Joe's everything bagel seasoning mm-hmm. that came out like last year where they put all that stuff in a shaker so you could just put it on stuff. And then in true Trader Joe's fashion, they started just making a lot of other products that have the everything bagel seasoning on it. So I yeah. think kind of the idea of everything bagel, there's also just kind of like a bagel boom going on. For who? They're, you're late to the party, y'all. If you're, <laughs> there's, there's been a, no bagel boom. There's I've been I've been down with the bagel boom since the eighties. There's uh I just feel like anytime you make a savory ice cream flavor, you're dancing with the devil. Did you ever go to Stinking Rose, the garlic restaurant? Yeah, but I did not get the garlic the, ice okay. cream. So I've had garlic ice cream before, and garlic ice cream isn't bad. You know, it's not like something I go, oh fuck. Get the garlic ice cream because it's going up tonight. But it's one of those things you eat and you're like, damn, I'm actually more interested because it's not bad. Like, it's. I honestly think there are. Yeah. I mean, like if they didn't call it ice cream, I think that's the key. I think if you made like a like I thought I think about this always in the summer, like soup popsicles, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. a gazpacho popsicle and like a tomato soup popsicle. Maybe not a clam chowder popsicle, oh, but just things like that. Just thinking about it. <laughs> but I think you have chili popsicle. You got to call it like a granita or something. If you right. call it an ice cream, like people's minds go to sweet. And I feel like most of the time when people try to do savory, I don't really fuck with all those artisanal ice creams that have like fucking like duck skin in them or whatever. You know, there's been a lot of that lately. Wait, there was? Man, I, you got to like, put me like, on to that like stuff. Like salt and straw, all their weird-ass oh, yeah, flavors, yeah, yeah. you know? Things where it's like a thing you wouldn't expect in ice cream that's in ice cream. Right. And there's a place. Out, it's bad. There's a place in Philadelphia called Little Babies that did a pizza ice cream. No, thank you. Right? Like, I don't want that. I, just, I respect its right to exist, but, but like, no. Okay. So it's one of those things. The idea you say no to, just like I would say no to everything bagel ice cream. No, don't need it. But we all have this morbid fascination to try. You would you not try this pizza ice cream, Jack? I'll try oh, anything. Tr- okay, I'll try anything for free. Right, <laughs> right. All right. Then maybe what we'll do is we could all go in uh, a couple bucks. Maybe we'll have Zeitgang because it's expensive. If every if the listeners and all of us put in a dollar, we might be able to afford one of these pints. One of the everything bagel pints. Yeah. All right. Did you, wait, this is like related, but did you guys see the mac and cheese, the pink mac and yeah, cheese? We were yeah, about we that. talked about it. It made me week. hate mac and cheese more. I by the end of talking about it, I was like, Kraft has lost its way. And it's like the QAnon aunt. You're like, I gotta put you to bed now. I just feel like you could make it pink without making it sweet. Like yeah. Sweet absolutely. mac and cheese Easily. again. But then I'm like, isn't it maybe sweet mac and cheese is just kugel? Um, yeah. A little bit. I think, again, it's like you just have to have different words for these things. You could talk somebody into a sweet pasta. You just have to not call it Kraft Mac and Cheese, but right. it's sweet because then your mind just 
reels. Yeah, I guess Kugel would have been better. Because now that you say that, I'll be like, well, yeah, okay. Because I'm pro like dessert pizza. I'm pro a pizzuki. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Pizzuki, but a pizzuki is like not mixing flavors. It's just like taking the concept of pizza the shapes. and putting desserts in the shape of pizza. Like I'm okay, all fair, about fair. that. But like trying to make the base of the dessert actual pasta. I, I right, right. cannot abide it. Uh, it's funny. Just... BJ's, that you say that, that's one of those restaurants like in my late teens that you're like yo we're going to bj's brewery with our fake ids fuck out of here and then you're like we don't have we shouldn't really we can't really afford to drink in public <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you can't afford the prices at uh any of those barcades those are for oh my god <sighs> the barcades the barcade scene in la is despicable yeah i'm like the what the, y'all are charging so much money for these games like no. Have you been to that one spot in Hollywood? That's like the pizza, 90s pizza arcade in the before oh, times? Oh, no, I haven't been in there. Yeah, the pizza was okay. And the, you know, they were they were going for an aggressive 90s aesthetic that just felt yeah. a little ham-fisted for me. It feels ham-fisted, but then there was also that one in like down by Dodger Stadium. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. That I was like, oh, this is so stupid. And then I was like, oh, no, they like exactly got all the <laughs> they games. They nailed it. That- Right. Well, they got, it's the like it good. wasn't 80s games. It was like late 80s, early 90s games. So it was like arcade games. Like you, we all right. would have played at a pizza right. hut. And I was yeah. like, mm, they got me. God damn it. <laughs> you bastard. I think button mash is still in business too. Maybe. I mean, I can't I imagine the barcade business takeout. is like very uh, popping right now. There's one in Echo Park that closed. I yeah, think. I'm Ooh. sure. It's tough. For me, I did all the experimenting I needed this week when I got a peanut a Reese's peanut butter big cup with chunks of pretzel inside. No, the Ooh. chips one. Oh, chips? I don't know with chips. chips. Oh, really? Oh, the pretzel my. one is good as fuck. Oh my god. Uh, Her Majesty steals them from set and brings them here. Wow. Uh, like any good person, if you have a per- partner who works in production, they better be stealing from Flex. Crafty for you and bringing it home. Yeah. Uh, but she came home with him and she's like, you'll never guess what's happened. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck? You got a promotion? And she like, I, I hadn't seen them, but the chip one is fucking potato? really Potato? Yeah, it's like about? ruffles in yeah. there. Yeah, I will, I will fuck with uh, some potato chips in there as like a, you know, a salty accent. Like, um, oh, that sounds crazy. I might, I might do this everything bagel ice cream. You got to do it. I yeah. want to know. Let's do it. It doesn't. Especially because it doesn't have locks in it, like it. It sounds like it might not even be that crazy. Like it'll right. just taste like a like a cheesecake ice cream, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. The closest mm-hmm. thing they say is like if you've had a garlic ice cream that was good, or it's just like it's subtle, it's there, but you're not like what the fuck? It's like a frozen <laughs> bagel. What the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like it yeah. apparently has. Like, but I would do like you know I would do a sour cream ice cream. Mm-hmm. There, there are mm. other you know. There's like a really good avocado ice cream, the Filipino ice cream. Mm-hmm. Th- things that you might not necessarily consider for ice cream, then right. you have it in ice cream and you're like, actually, this kind of makes sense. There's only uh, one way to find out. All right. Let's finally dig into some wholesomeness uh, that still has like a depressing news peg. So <laughs> there's this guy. I don't know. Did you guys know about Captain Sir Tom Moore? Uh, no. Okay. So he 
is a he was a 99 year old man who was about to turn 100 and decided to raise funds for the NHS uh, mm. by uh, trying to walk a hundred laps in his garden before his hundredth birthday. Uh, and <laughs> just be like, people just really liked him. He's just like a charming ass old man to the point that he ended up like collabing with a famous pop star on a song that went to number one in the UK. <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's so sweet. And he yeah. raised 35 million pounds for the NHS, which is like incredible. Um, everybody loved him. He then got knighted. Uh, and wow. um, he just passed away from COVID, which is oh, not. Bummer. <gasps> oh, he's wow. got like a little old man mustache. Look at this guy. Yeah. This is yeah. going to be Anthony Hopkins' greatest role. Yeah. It really, yeah. Because That's so it, nice. Like that ending, the third act, you know. You've got coronavirus, love. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's all bollocks. Bollocks, yeah. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> What's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he had, he's, it, this whole story, I'm like, oh, even if they make it up, this guy has some profound last words. Everyone's going to be sobbing. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Wow. Yeah, he spent his final hours with his kids, like reminiscing about their mom who passed away and uh yeah oh, just seems generally like an awesome dude uh so shout what a nice palate cleanser from from all the yeah. other stories yeah shout out to him shout out to yeah. the uk Captain for Sir giving Tom. us something uh to believe in <laughs> yeah. wow uh, yeah. yeah that's a that's that really speaks to where we're at where our like new thing to believe in is a recently deceased very old man <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i recently deceased a 100 year old british army man yeah all right that's gonna do it for this week's weekly zeitgeist please like and review the show if you like the show uh means the world to miles he he needs your validation folks uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.